0: Los Angeles, California, home to one of the most amazing stories involving Wolverhampton Wanderers. It goes back to 1967, and Wolves and Football Co. and Mundial have teamed up to bring this incredible story. We're here in Los Angeles. We're going to go on a tour of Los Angeles today. Owen Blackhurst, Max Augustini, Matt Sellers, Yanni Macarounis, and myself, Lawrence Scott, part of this film crew that will eventually get in the mix with LAFC here in the city of Angels as they hoist their championship trophy won in the 2022 MLS season. You think back to 1967 and Wolves winning the title. It was the USA, a brand new league where Jack Kent Cook got involved. The stories from Los Angeles will be told as the day unfolds here as we go around Los Angeles to find more about how Wolves came to America, won a title, and helped kickstart soccer in the United States. And our tour of Los Angeles begins here at the corner of Sunset Boulevard and right where the whiskey a go is on the Sunset Strip in Los Angeles. And we start here because, you know... Uh, About a year ago, I was in Wolverhampton and spoke with Phil Parks, who was the goalkeeper for Wolves, and came to America with that team in 1967 that won the title. And Phil talked about being here in Los Angeles, but now we're making this film and we're part of things here. And Owen Blackhurst, the founder of Mundial, and he's with Football Co. They're making this film in coordination with Wolves here. And why this story? Why was this something that kind of grabbed y'all's attention?
1: I think it's a story that firstly it hasn't been told and it hasn't been told properly which is always important but secondly because it's such a good one you've got the these guys they've played a full season in 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 england and the other teams in scotland and ireland and brazil and wherever else in there some of these some of these kids had never left their homes before right and they were growing up in fairly industrial places and yeah they had good lives because they were professional footballers but to be transported from 60s wolverhampton to 60s la must have been mind-blowing. And then to be places like Sunset, where they'd have only heard about this on TV or seen it in the movies, and then to bump into Jimi Hendrix outside a club. It must have been now, stuff like that is commonplace and you see celebrities all the time and you might take a picture of these people. Then, it must have been like going to the moon. And and that feeling of discovery for just fairly normal guys then, you know, the disparity between footballers and the and the fans who watch them wasn't as big. I just think it's, there's so much... There's so much good to tell, and it gave people such an amazing time in their lives, which also, in some of the cases, informed what they did for the rest of their career. So, it, like, yeah, it needs telling. It's um, it's a it's it's a time of football that no one really knows about. The MLS story has been has been told. The NASL story has been told. This story hasn't been told, which is both surprising, and also maybe. Why it's such a good challenge because it's a difficult one to tell because you've really got to go through the cracks because not a lot of people remember it. Right. And there's a and that's the challenge. So if we can do it justice
0: and do their stories justice, then that's the reason for doing it. What's also cool, too, is this time in their lives. There was one player with the squad who was actually from North America, from Vancouver. He was spotted when Wolves had had a tour earlier in North America and He was uh, spotted by Stan Cullis, his name is Les Wilson, and, and he was the only one who had ever been to North America. I mean, for Phil Parks, Dave Wagstaff, and the crew, these guys hadn't really been here. And I think back to when I was their age, and being in kind of this area, like you're talking about, you didn't really expect to see a celebrity, I was just like, in Tower Records thumbing through back then LPs actually in this section and, and CDs, that sort of thing. But Prince was in the aisle and I was like, no, you're kidding me. You know, you you can just be someplace in Los Angeles and come across greatness like that in, in many regards. But for these players at that time, just because they were by and large teenagers It was truly transformative, and for sports in Los Angeles as well. Part of the conversations we've had here was with uh, Alan Rothenberg, who was uh, Jack Kent Cook's lawyer, and he got a knock on his door and said, hey, you're running the soccer team. We talked with him yesterday as this whole journey began in L.A. What, What did you glean from what his views were from the beginning of this whole thing and why it mattered in helping soccer grow in America? I think first, to speak to Alan Rothenberg, someone I tried
1: to to get before unsuccessfully a few years ago because he was out of town when I was here, to speak to someone who has had such a, a dramatic impact on a game that didn't exist in the US until 67, to speak to someone who has been there for all the big tent poles in American soccer from... From LA Aztecs to 1984 Olympics with the, and the success of the the, the the soccer in that tournament, to then doing the you know to then being part of the 94 World Cup and the LA, MLS and onto the 99 World Cup to speak to someone like him is quite an honour, and um, and I think you know his story deserves a bit of wider attention from a from more of a British audience because people won't really know, and I think what I learned is in that sort of classic American way it's very easy nowadays for people to say oh it's a bit Wild West this was a bit Wild West. They were like, right, we're going to start, we're going to start football, and um, we need the teams in, get them in. You know, these teams would have gone from not knowing about this to being in the country within about three or four weeks. Um, so what I, what I learned is, at first it was a business opportunity, and I'm, you know, we could romanticise and say these guys were huge soccer fans and they wanted. It wasn't. It was a business opportunity, but it was a business opportunity that sparked something that has become far more than that, and that was the thing I enjoyed most. And you could see that, the 28 year old Alan Rothenberg didn't care about football soccer the 83 year old Alan Rothenberg cares so deeply about the game that it's become his sport you know and he was a guy from Michigan Anyway, he is a guy from Michigan who would have grown up on your traditional sports he's now like a soccer evangelist and to talk to someone like that and to see how the game has had a huge impact on his life just just an incredible hour and a half in in the company of someone who I'd love to talk to more you know brilliant It it, it was life affirming really
0: through your work, you tell the stories of the game. And please help others understand what that is. But you're also coming from a perspective of being a Wolverhampton native and it being in your blood, in some ways, the family connections to seeing what the old gold have represented around the world and to see it here in America. That's got to be cool, too.
1: Yeah, the, the thought that Wolves came to... I mean, Wolverhampton in the 60s, it wasn't quite swing in London you know that was London was the epicentre of the world then right but it was it wasn't also you know some backwater but these guys would have been going from a place where pubs closed at two and didn't open again in the evening you couldn't do anything on a Sunday there was there was opportunity but not but not a lot to come here I just I wish there was more more footage existed of the guys just being themselves in, in this place Um and it does mean a lot. It, this it means a lot to be telling the Wolves story. I was you know I was born in Wolverhampton, born in New Cross Hospital. Um, my great great uncle won the FA Cup with Wolves in oh six oh seven. He made three hundred appearances for Wolves as well. Ted Collins and he's up there. If you look on Dave Instone's Wolves uh, Wolves Legends or Wolves Heroes, whatever it's called, um, he's on there in like place twenty three, I think twenty two or twenty three. So just that, and I just think that. Yeah, there is something a bit childlike about this. You know, I've spent a lot of time at Molyneux and in and around the city and to be able to tell a wolf story that I didn't know about. My dad claims he sort of remembers it, but when I, when I went and ran it through him with it and he said, God, can you, can you imagine? Because he he would have thought going to somewhere like LA, you know, he was a normal lad off of Council Estate in, in, in Wolverhampton, the Warstones, And um, the thought of being somewhere like this to watch a different game would have blown his mind. So I can only imagine what it did to the players. And I, yeah, it's it's great to be able to tell it. I already we're still you know we're halfway through the shoot we've got more material to get we've got more interviews to get i'm very keen now to get and start making it and start putting it together because i think like all good documentaries and all good long-form storytelling or short-form storytelling these are human stories about people and about people who did something that changed their lives in a small or big way and those are the best types of stories and when you talk to the guys and you see the looks on their faces now Nelson've got to remember it's nearly 60 years on and a lot of it they remember like it was yesterday and and i think that tells you something about what this what this story is and why we want
0: to tell it last thing here before we get to another stop on our tour of los angeles here for this taping of this program i i Got to say, you, you did some work with some interviews, both in Wolverhampton and in Aberdeen, Scotland. And if people don't believe we're on Sunset Boulevard, maybe you heard the uh, cars honking. They'll know, honky, they'll know <laughs> But But before we got here to Los Angeles and, and the sunshine and all of what this has to offer, there was some work to be done back in both Wolverhampton and in Aberdeen. Why exactly? Well, the, fir- the, the final of the 1967
1: tournament um, was against brilliantly which doesn't always happen the two best teams someone someone's showing off in their nice car anyway the the final was between the um, Los Angeles Wolves and the Washington Whips represented by Aberdeen they were the two best teams they'd met a couple of times in the regular season the games have been quite feisty affairs they'd they'd each got the wood over each other Um, so we we found the players who are who are still with us and who were willing to talk and, and wanted to tell these stories and we went on a bit of a on a journey over to over about a ten day period, and, and, and first stop was was Wolverhampton, um, and you know these they're normal guys, but they they lit up talking about it. I don't know. I think there's something there's just something special in, in being able to access someone's memories of something you can never see, and then trying to for us to try and translate that into something that people who are going to watch this can see. Um, and it was the same in Aberdeen. I mean, we you know. Aberdeen, right up north of Scotland. We went even further north. We went to a place called Lossiemouth. Anyone listening to this, look where Lossiemouth is on the map, and you'll see how north it is in Scotland. And there's still a lot of north to go. But we went there. And we interviewed Bobby Clark. Now, 21, uh, 20 America's listeners listening to this. Bobby Clark was Aberdeen's goalkeeper, but he also became a bit of a, a US college soccer legend. He coached. Um, he missed out on the Princeton job to Bob Bradley, and then he coached Dartmouth, Stanford. And then he was um, at Notre Dame fighting Irish for 17 years, and he um, he won the he won the championship. So speaking to him and his memories, and you know, and players bumping into Muhammad Ali when he was still Cassius Clay, and then traversing the country and being treated like royalty. So we wanted to go to these people. There is, it's important when we're telling these stories, no matter how further from when they happened, you need to speak to the people who were there. There's too much storytelling now, which exists on people doing a hatchet job of things that happened and they have no link to it, whatever, and they do a bit of research and they create a hackneyed report of it and that gets passed out and then that becomes the history. There's, And this is why we need to do things like this in the right way. We need to find the people, let them tell it. And, and it has to be their story, right? So it's just, you know, it, I mean, it's amazing. Speaking to Alan yesterday... You know, we're going to an LAFC game tomorrow. We're going to speak to Kevin Baxter from the LA Times, who's been a, a huge soccer champion and evangelist himself over the last however many years he's been doing the job. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's an honour, really. And like, like telling all stories, is it's an honour. And the, the battle to make sure you do it justice is, is, is
0: one that keeps you on your toes, I think. Well, as the American Wolves fan bringing this story to Wolves fans. It is something special. Our tour will continue as we find other spots where the Wolves spent their time in 1967. Griffith Observatory in Los Angeles looks out over to where you see the downtown area and also it's just around the corner from the Hollywood sign. Matt Sellers is currently flying a drone for this Production of the 1967 Wolves team and Football Co and Mundial working with Wolves to tell this story of the Wolverhampton Wanderers who came here to Los Angeles and won the title in 1967. And when you think of what we're seeing here, even in this age, think back to 1967, Matt, and what a teenager would have seen about L.A. What's taken you? Uh, I don't think the, the size, I
1: think. The size and the, the magic of the place. Everything's big here, isn't it?
0: You know, and I think of Max Augustini, who is the producer here with Football Co., who's helping manage all of what this is. And the aspect of it being a British soccer club that has this huge historical legacy coming to America and introducing fans to just soccer. When we think of all the films you've been working on and all the things you've done, why is this a unique story truly beyond just the cultural aspects that make this so completely interesting?
2: I think it's um, the origination point of, like, a story, because obviously not many people were around for a lot of other, like, football leagues and the the start of it, but to actually be able to pinpoint a time that, like, that birthed, like, U.S. football and to sort of find people that were there at its inception and talk about that point, I think that's super interesting because you you don't often get that, really. Matt, were people... Thinking about 1967 and a
0: soccer team that came to America, was that that even a topic that people talked about when you were like, oh, I knew that story when you were told, hey, this is something you're heading to Los Angeles to do?
1: No, I think this is why this story is so interesting, because it started off as such a simple local story that, that, that only meant something to a few people. But now as we Tell this story. We, us ourselves, are realizing how big this story is. You know, how connected it is to the birth of soccer in the U.S. You know,
0: and the cool thing will be when we see LAFC getting their championship rings. They won the MLS Cup title in 2022, and you think of that black and gold and the golden black that was here in 1967 at the Coliseum, the LA Coliseum, where of course olympics have taken place and people know of the you know venue itself or just the role it's played in the larger sports world but it's where uh, usc football has played the los angeles raiders the first time they moved from oakland came and played at the la coliseum that is where wolves won the title but right next door is this bmo field where lafc plays and kind of when you think of just what this means to folks in los angeles from what you've sensed here max when they look back to not just now having LA Galaxy and the stars that have played with LA Galaxy that folks know from Europe, but also now a successful LAFC team, this getting the whole thing started does kind of mean something to some people.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I think you know LA is synonymous with so many like amazing sports teams, and now they've got another like championship-winning team, um, and to think that you know a lot of that football side of it or soccer side of it is was born from the wool, like LA Wolves that's that's pretty cool and you know they can that legacy's continued and now yeah, I think it, it, it's to cap it with a, a championship winning team this season it's sort of like and we're making this film at the same time it sort of brings it around full circle to be like okay the LA you know the champions of the MLS was born out of the initial champions of 1967 it was pretty cool.
0: All right, the drone has returned. Beautiful scenics of Griffith Observatory and the Los Angeles area are in store when you see the film and you'll know the work of this man, Matt Sellers, this man, Max Augustini, and Owen Blackhurst. And our tour continues as we go to where the Wolves trained here in Los Angeles in 1967. All right, we've... Landed in another part of Los Angeles, and this is really cool. We're inside Lafayette Park, where it's just across the street from where the Wolves stayed in 1967. It was their home as they were here in Los Angeles. It was the Sheraton Wiltshire at the time, the Sheraton West Hotel, another name for it. Now it's the townhouse in Los Angeles and part of a community where there's still a field where the Wolves... We're obviously practicing out here. There's goals now to this day still on the field. And basketball courts that you'll note were also used in the movie White Men Can't Jump. If you watch that movie, it was uh, also filmed here in Lafayette Park. So, yes, uh, Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson and the Wolves in 1967, all training and all part of the activities here in this park. And part of the film activities, of course, the Wolves media team and the director of production, Yanni Macarounis joining us here. Yanni, the last time we talked was in Wolverhampton when we were doing WV1, the series here on Wolves Radio. And we talked about the role of the media team. And in this case, you're here in the United States helping make sure that this story is told and it's shared in a way that's not just reverent to the old gold and all of the cool history that's part of this, but also sharing something that pushes forward our ties to Wolves here in America.
3: Yeah, exactly. It's a it's a, a amazing story, but one that's not been told. I, I think I heard Owen say that to you earlier today, but it's definitely true. There are Wolves fans, you know, avid Wolves fans, super fans that maybe don't remember this story and 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 don't know it happened. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to tell this story in an interesting way. Um, it's not easy because it was a long time ago and things have changed. Like as we're here now, and this park has changed since uh, since 1967, but. I think we're going to do a good job. I think Wolves
0: fans will enjoy it. So you're a Wolverhampton native, and you're part of the fabric of the community and know all of the history that has been around Compton and Molyneux. And when you think of that the club was here in Los Angeles, and now that you're personally here and seeing just the expanse of this, it was interesting in one of the interviews that we conducted yesterday, we heard the gentleman, Alan Rothenberg, who was uh, part of the ownership group, early on with uh, LA Wolves as the team went from this USA League into the NASL and then became basically the Aztecs of the NASL. And he was talking about how Los Angeles itself may have been half the population that it is now, but to see the expanse of this and to think that here in this part of town, which is pretty close to downtown where Lafayette Park is relatively to where other places we've been to see the scenery, they were really in the throes of everything here in Los Angeles. To see it here from your perspective, what has that been?
3: I mean, yeah, it's been amazing. I, I I can't really imagine because 2023 now we we you know we travel the world and we get to see amazing places. I'm very lucky to be, you know, traveling with the with the Mundial guys uh, this week and and seeing LA. It, it it you still stop yourself and and have to take it all in. But I imagine it was really really different for Phil Parks, Terry Wharton, Jerry Taylor. The guy said it was almost like being on the moon and uh i could see that i could see why that would be a massive change and something they'd never experienced before
0: what was the experience like with them as you were doing the portion of the filming for this that was done in wolverhampton
3: it was it was it was heartwarming really they, these guys that uh they still have that sort of bond it was it was great to see even though they're elderly gentlemen now and definitely not as uh, sprightly on their feet as they used to be when they were playing there was a uh, camaraderie they I spend a lot of time with our first team and you see that sort of bond that first team players have and they seem to have that now even 55 years on or whatever we are they they seem as close now as they were as players and and that's been really nice and then and then also just their memories are incredible Their, their memories for stories and anecdotes and who they saw when they saw them what they were driving what the music was like um yeah, it's been amazing. I, I, I really do think it'll be a really interesting and exciting documentary.
0: You know, I think back to when we did the WV1 series, you and Josh Power were on one of the episodes at Compton. We caught up with Phil Parks and uh, Steve Daly and Kenny Hibbett. And with Phil, we were talking about the experiences and noting that Chick Hearn, the legendary Lakers announcer, was the broadcaster for L.A. Wolves and uh, had a big role in broadcasting the final. That is such a great way to look at how this whole thing unfolded in this final that was just simply amazing 6 to 5 wolves capturing the title with a just knockdown drag out match against what was the Washington Whips also known as Aberdeen from from Scotland and here we're seeing what it was for them in the hotel they stayed at, just really like across the street. They could just walk out of their hotel and come to train right in the park. It's very casual, I'm sure. You wouldn't see that sort of thing in the Premier League today, obviously. But then to think of that they'd be at parties at Jack Kent Cooke's house, and Wilt Chamberlain would be there, a man who scored 100 points in an NBA game. And you think of their stories and what this all can represent. What in this entire film process have you learned that you've been like, oh, that's kind of cool. I didn't really know that that was part of this larger story.
3: I, w- I would say the main the main thing for me is watching the final back and seeing how competitive it was. Both teams really, really wanted to win. And they, well, there were there were fights and there were red cards and there were 11 goals and it was played at a really high tempo. And um, I would say that's the biggest eye-opening thing was just how much the, t- the Wolves guys wanted to win this tournament. Um... And yet they managed to do so.
0: Let's leave it there. Our tour of Los Angeles through this episode here on Wolves Radio. will come to an end here as we say we look forward to bringing you this film and the stories of the 1967 Wolves as they came to America, settled here in Los Angeles for the summer in 1967, won the title and really helped launch what we call soccer here in the United States. A very special story. We can't wait to bring you the film. But this just part of the process as we take part in the filming of this story here in Los Angeles. With Yanni, I'm Lawrence Scott. Thank you so much for joining us here on Wolves Radio.